Welcome to Monsters Among Us. I am your guide, Derek Hayes. I am back, ladies and gentlemen. Usually, by the end of the season, I feel anxious to take a couple weeks off and recharge my batteries, but I always end up feeling anxious to get back at it. So today could not come fast enough. I want to thank you all for coming back for another season. With a little luck, this one will be bigger, scarier, and more thought-provoking than the last. But before we launch in, I want to remind everyone how to submit their own tale. If you've had an encounter or know a really great secondhand story, give the hotline a call at 1-888-608-NIGHT. That's 1-888-608-6444. In addition, you can shoot me an email at monstersamonguspodcast at gmail.com or submit 100% anonymously through the Report Your Sightings tab on the website. And that website is www.monstersamonguspodcast.com Keep in mind that each method is completely free. Now, many people reach out to me and say they have a story to share, but they're nervous about talking on the phone. Well, there's another way to submit that might ease those fears a bit. If you have a smartphone or a computer with a mic... You can simply record your story in the form of a WAV or MP3 file and shoot that over to me in an email. That way you have an infinite number of do-overs and you can even edit the recording a little before sending. Alright, now you know how to send in your story. Let's listen to a few that have already made the journey. If you're listening to this show, I imagine it's safe to assume you are at the very least familiar with a wide array of cryptic creatures. I imagine the likes of Bigfoot, Ghost, Lake Monsters, and even a Chupacabra are recognizable enough that you can picture them without much difficulty. What about those lesser-known cryptids? The beasts that are so out of nowhere, many would consider them unimaginable. Our first call of the season details an encounter with just such a creature. Eric, I've been listening to your podcast for about two 
weeks now, and I decided to call in today after I heard the season one finale. You had a caller that called in and talked about um, seeing the bottom half of something strange. So I had an experience a handful of years ago. I was out running very early in the morning, um, usually at a time when there wasn't too many people or cars out. Uh, this was in southern Illinois, and there were cornfields nearby and, um, you know, wooded areas, but this was a neighborhood. Um, my dog ran with me, and this particular morning, uh, I noticed that my dog uh, had kind of slowed her step and was perking up and lifting her ears and looking at something that was, I guess, ahead of us. And I decided to look up and see, you know, is it a rabbit or somebody out walking, perhaps. And I saw something that initially I thought had to have been somebody wearing some kind of a costume. Uh, it was walking adjacent to a streetlight. And the streetlights, when I went back later to kind of gauge and see if maybe my perception was off. I think that the streetlight was probably between 15 and 20 feet high. And what I saw was just a few feet across the way from the streetlight, and it was nearly as tall as the streetlight. So I'm guessing it was anywhere between 10 and 15 feet tall. Um, it was uh, a dark, solid creature, and it was walking upright. And at first I thought it was possibly somebody uh, using stilts on their legs and carrying some kind of uh, extenders on their arms. And I realized that somebody can't uh, walk with stilts and bend at stilt knees. There just would be completely impossible. So I stopped where I was and watched what I was seeing. It was just walking down the road uh, and I was trying to discern what I might be seeing or a distortion of something and I realized it was a real and solid creature living. Um, as it walked, its legs lifted up and would reach and stretch in very, very long strides. It was uh, long, dark, and skinny. Yeah, with pointed, I guess, hands and a somewhat rectangular shaped head. And as it moved, the head seemed to sweep its gaze from side to side. Um, I'm probably about, I would say, uh, one uh, eighth of a mile, you know, away from it, not so far that I couldn't tell what I was looking at, definitely close enough that I didn't want to get any closer to it. And as it was striding, its arms were in, moving in a pumping motion uh, up above its head. And I kept thinking to myself, uh, grasshopper, this is what its body seems to resemble and be shaped like. And for a moment, I thought about turning around and fleeing for home, but I felt a compulsion almost to want to know what I was seeing. 
So I very slowly began to jog uh, forward uh, towards where the creature was. It was it was on a road that came to a T. It was moving to the right, and I kept my eyes on it, and my dog was watching it also. And as we got closer and closer, of course, it was continuing to stride farther away. And by the time I came to the end of the for the road T, had a T, uh, it had moved so far into the darkness that I couldn't see. I, I couldn't see it at all. It had completely. Uh, I won't say vanished, but moved far enough into the darkness away from where the street light was and toward a wooded area that I could no longer see it. Um, so I turned the opposite direction. I didn't have any intention of following it into the darkness. And I have been puzzled and frightened by this experience, knowing that it sounds completely irrational. When I later gave it some thoughts, trying to come to a conclusion of what I had possibly seen, the first thing is I know it was real and solid. My my dog was what brought my attention to it, so I know I wasn't hallucinating. Um, there was no people, no cars, no one else around. Um, and I watched it for probably, I would guess, about 30 seconds before, maybe 30 to 45 seconds before it had disappeared into the darkness. And it's its stride and its gaze did not seem to have any awareness that I was there. So uh, needless to say, for the remaining years that I lived in that area, which was about seven or eight more years after that, um, I looked for it. Uh, first in fear of wanting to not see it, but also kind of hoping to see it so that I could definitively know for myself that this was something that was real. Also, in putting a description to it, I would definitely have to say it was more praying mantis-like than grasshopper. Initially, I thought grasshopper because of the jointed legs and the pointy tips of the appendages um, and appearing to be kind of exoskeleton. Um, the creature that I saw was very, very dark gray, not quite black, and it seemed to be all one color. I couldn't see a lot of variance in its, you know, its um, coloring. Um, so, yeah, it was like a 15-foot-tall praying mantis man and striding down the street early one morning while I was out for my run. So when I heard the last caller call in and describe using the words praying mantis-like for the lower portion of the thing that he saw, um, I felt like this was similar enough that I wanted to share. Um, I've never really been a big believer in aliens or, and I've never even understood or known about uh, cryptids. This was an experience that has kind of caused me to be obsessed with learning about and hopefully hearing about other people having witnessed similar things. So I still to this day don't know what it was, but it has definitely changed my life and my perception about what exists here and in other places. Um, your podcast is incredible and amazing. I love it. Um, 
I am so excited that I found the podcast. I'm really happy to hear about other people's stories about uh, creatures and monsters and, and other things. So thank you so much for the podcast and thank you for listening to my story. Thank you so much, caller, for the kind words and for taking the time to call in. When this call came in, I have to admit, I was giddy. I've heard of similar experiences, but nothing exactly like that the caller described, and certainly nothing secondhand. So, of course, I had to do some research. Now, outside of the infamous Fresno, California Nightcrawler video, I cannot think of anything that looks even remotely similar to what was detailed, that is, until a distant memory popped into my head. Among the several purported alien species that have been said to have visited planet Earth, among them are beings known as insectoids. Now, I understand that the following seems far-fetched, but stick with me for a moment. In search of other encounters similar to that of our callers, I discovered that most of the reported insectoid encounters across North America all share very similar details. For example, the following is a recollection of a woman's encounter with one of these so-called insectoids. Listen to the details given in contrast to what our caller described. Full Disclosure The original interview was quite lengthy and has been edited due to time constraints. You know, when when lightning would happen, the room would kind of light up from the window. And there is this strange, call it being, I couldn't really make out everything, but I could see like a silhouette in the darkness. Plus, I had a window off to my right, so that light illuminated it. So I had windows behind me and to my right. So when lightning would illuminate, I would get the backlight from that. The being, I know it sounds crazy, looked, it was, uh, at that time it was over 10 feet tall by my estimation. I was laying down, uh, terrified, terrified. And all of a sudden, I am, I hear my own voice. I don't know how to describe it. It was very strange. You know, I thought I had lost my damn mind. The thing was 10 feet tall. So it said to me, but not with this mouth. I don't know how to explain it. Um, Why am I afraid? And I remember communicating, you're coming into my house. It's completely dark. I'm like, please don't, please don't. I, I was afraid. I was terrified. I was paralyzed with fear more than anything. And I said, it communicated that it was going to touch me, I remember, or something. And I said, please don't, please don't. Can I at least turn the light on? I, I You know, you, it's dark. I, I, I'm afraid it's dark. I can't see you. And they communicated to turn the lights on. <laughs> and of course, I start explaining to the thing. I know this sounds so freaking outrageous. I explained to the thing that we had an electrical problem in the room. And that I was waiting on, a, you know, being able to afford an electrician to run new electricity. Just as that happened. I mean, it was pitch black, mind you. 
my husband's sound asleep. I wake up with this, I would describe it as a giant bug. It wasn't a giant bug, but that's the closest thing that I could use from what I have seen to compare it to. It had eyes that were domed above its head. It had a very pointy face. I drew a sketch of what this thing looked like. Now, this is what it looked like when it was sitting down. And when it was, see how the legs are up? And the arms were not like regular shoulders. The arm sockets came out of the front of it. It, it. it was it was weird. And it had a strange, you know, appendages. But they were fingers. They were fingers. But see how it's almost like squatting? If it, if it came up and stood upright, that's when it was 10 feet tall, this thing. So I have a 10-foot bug in my room standing by my bed. But what makes me question whether this was just a nightmare or some kind of sleep paralysis is that it said, don't be afraid. And it reached out to touch me. And I still remember how the appendage felt and everything. It was bizarre. It felt like I would say it was firm. There was like a bone structure underneath the flesh. But I would describe it as like a frog belly kind of texture. Yeah. And it grabbed me. And I guess, you know, at the time, maybe I thought that it woke me up. But all the lights in the room came on. I swear to God. Like we had an electrician there already diagnosing what the problem was. The light in my closet came on. The TV came on. All the electrical stuff in the room. Music was blasting. Like everything came on at once. It scared the shit out of me. It still scares the shit out of me when I think about it. I haven't slept in the dark since. Let's put it that way. <laughs> My husband woke up freaking out like, what the f***? I told him what happened. And, you know, he's more of a scientific kind of person. He's like, okay, you had a bad dream. But it freaked him out because the electricity was on, you know? Like, there wasn't even a, you know, the old fuses? There wasn't even a fuse down in that pole. You know how each room will have its own section there wasn't even a fuse in the fuse box so how did it work it worked it worked for about two weeks and then it just went out it was weird now as i was doing my typical digging i recalled a segment on destination america's series monsters and mysteries in america that also hit on a similar tone here is a portion of that segment. The Musconnect Kong River in New Jersey. Multiple witnesses, unknown to each other, have come forward to report a mysterious bug-like beast. The Mantis Man. New Jersey businessman Joe Parenti grew up along the Jersey Shore. Recently, he built a vacation home near the Musconnect Kong River. 
My brother and I fished there for many years, 15 years, and we never saw anything unusual. Just kicking back with a fishing pole in the water, whether I'm catching something or nothing or just feeling the cool breeze on my face, that, that will do it for me. What started as a relaxing reunion for Joe and his brother quickly turned into a horrifying day from hell. We started in the early morning time. You remember how to do this, right, bro? Right, that's the lucky reel, right? All right, you got some new shoes on. We went to Stevens Park, and we went to uh, that small bunch of islands that's in the middle of the, the river. The new baba? All right. I'm going to head downstream. Good luck. He stood downstream. I stood a little bit upstream. And uh, we threw our lines in the water. Right away, Joe felt something was off. I noticed some humming, and I've noticed a lot of tingling sensations in my body. I caught from the corner of my eye a creature that was seven feet tall, brown and black scaled, this giant mantis man was feeding on some kind of prey. Joe had interrupted his meal. To my amazement, I saw a humanoid, seven feet tall, looking down at me, but yet with the head to the tilt, moving its mouth. A monstrous mouth, straight out of a nightmare. I was so scared. I was so damn scared about to get even scarier. To see those mandibles moving up and down. And I said, there's no way that could talk to me. And then I realized this is no joke. It turned to sheer panic. When I saw the mantis man, I was so scared. It was the eyes. His dark eyes were just so intense. I believe it could kill me. The creature Joe saw matched other sightings almost exactly, except for one major feature. It looked like it had wings. And it opened up and opened up its chest. The creature showed me the width of its chest and how strong it could be. And that was completely terrifying. A normal praying mantis, when threatened by a predator, will spread its wings. In that moment, it was Joe Parenti that was caught like prey, mesmerized. I was getting the sense that this creature was sucking information right out of me before I was even thinking it. Wake up! Finally, the mantis released its hold on Joe's consciousness. And there was a fog and that kind of came through. And it was nothing but steam. And then it cleared and gone. I can control myself. Then I lost grip of my bodily functions, so... and I felt like throwing up. 
the creature, the encounter, all of it seemed too bizarre to be possible. His brother found Joe in a state of panic. Uh, my brother doesn't know what to make of it. He knows that something disturbed me greatly if you're the crap yourself right there in the middle of the stream. My thoughts. We gotta get out of here. There's nothing here. I thought, I thought something. It had wings. It was like I was very afraid that this creature was gonna come back, that it wanted something from me, that it would cause some type of harm to myself or to my brother. So I said, let's get out of here. And that was when we got out and I didn't look back. The Mantis Monster. Giant. Scaly. Psychic. Is this the genetic mutant? An undiscovered cryptid? Or is there a more unearthly explanation? Some people say it's an alien. There's even a school of thought out there that say these kind of mantis creatures are actually fallen angels. I don't think anyone really knows. Some have even linked the appearance of these mantis creatures with UFOs. There are theories that some alien species, possibly these mantis insectoid species, have a mixture of uh, human DNA and other DNA that may have originated here on Earth. Are these mantis creatures emissaries from beyond the stars? Did it choose me for some other crazy reason than I just happened to be there? Are there other humanoids on this Earth? I never thought like that. I think like that now. I was one of those people that years ago used to make fun of people when I would hear about, you know, was he a green little Martian and did he land on them, you know? And now I'm on the flip side of the coin saying, keep an open mind. There is so much more out there. Both of these videos and the Nightcrawler video I mentioned earlier can be found in the show notes for this episode. I encourage each of you to head over and continue the search there. So circling all the way back to the original call, many of the reports I read described very similar details, down to the height, shape, color, and movement of the creature. Although, I cannot help but notice one difference between our caller's story and those of others reporting similar activity. Our caller's experience seemed to be much more organic than that of the others. There was no telepathy, no electronic interference, That detail really makes me wonder. So if anyone else out there has had a similar encounter, please give me a call. I'd love to explore this subject further. Now moving on to our next call, this is our first submission from the state of South Dakota. Here is Kinsey's call. Um, hey, so my name is Kinsey. Um, this story takes place in, it's actually Pleasant Valley, South Dakota, uh, near Sturgis, South Dakota. Because back in 2010, towards the end of August, it was a really, really sunny day out. Um, I don't think there was a cloud in the sky that day, to be completely honest with you. I was at my, at the time, uh, at my boyfriend's place, just kind of hanging out. Um, I was like just laying in bed watching HGTV of all things. 
it, it was not nothing scary going on that day at all. No reason for me to feel afraid at all. It was middle of the day. I have my German Shepherd um, in the room with me and my boyfriend's parents, Australian Shepherd, was in the room with me as well. My boyfriend and his parents were um, out at a softball game and I didn't go because I really wasn't feeling that well that day. So I just kind of decided to hang out and just watch some TV and try and make myself feel better. So like I said, no reason for me to be afraid at all. And just for no reason, I, I just got like, just absolutely scared. I'm like, I mean, like so scared that I was like paralyzed with fear and it was just so out of nowhere and weird. And right after I got that feeling, the dogs um, ran out of the room and they were like whining and stuff like that when they did it. And it was so weird. And out of no, like I, I kind of like turned my head just, well, I didn't really turn my head. I guess I just kind of looked to the right because I was so scared to move. And right as I started moving my eyes, I heard this howl outside the window and I know what a coyote sounds like. It was not a coyote. It sounded like a wolf, okay, which is weird because we don't really have a lot of wolves in that area. And, I mean, there might be a few, but um, not very many at all. I, I am a little bit freaked out by wolves, you know, so I thought, what the heck? And it literally sounded like it was right outside the window. Um, and I was like, that is so weird that there's a wolf that close to the house and it's the middle of the day and it's howling like that. And it, it wasn't a short howl. It was like a really long, creepy howl. And um, right after that happened, after the howl stopped, I heard like this really low, I guess the only way to describe the voice was just like evil. I mean, it just sounded absolutely evil. And it said... It said something. I don't know what it said exactly. It, it wasn't in English. I don't know what language it was. I don't know really any other languages that well. I know it wasn't like Spanish or something crazy like that. But um, some some language, it said something. And it sounded like it was coming from the right side of my room, like the right side of the bed that I was laying in. And this room was small. And so there wasn't anybody in there with me. Like, it, it was so creepy. Um, so anyways, I'm still sitting there like completely paralyzed in fear. I don't even know if I was breathing at this point. I was so scared that like I actually had some tears coming out of my eyes. I, I heard like a really low growl and it sounded like it was coming from the right side of the room, which is the same side of the room that the window is on. So I can't tell, I guess, if it was like from right outside the window or if it was actually in the room. But it was weird that I could hear it that well because I don't really have that good of hearing. And then I heard that voice again and I'm pretty sure that when I heard it again my heart stopped because at first I thought I was just like really scared and my ears were playing tricks on me or something but when I heard it again I just I have no reason to be scared that day so I just I, I don't know I can't explain any of this but I was truly terrified and I remember just getting up and like booking it out of that room and went into the living room and I called my boyfriend and told him what happened and he of course thought that I was crazy. I'm not really the type to um, think that it was a demonic thing. I don't really, I mean, I believe in that stuff, but I'm, I'm not really like, oh yes, it happens all the time or anything like that. 
It was truly terrifying. Um, that's pretty much all that I have to tell. The, the dogs calmed down after a good, I think, hour or so after I got back to the living room, but I was terrified to go outside, and I was so scared to go back in that room that I didn't leave the living room until someone else got back to the house. So um, that is my scary story, and 100% true. I was freaking out, and, yeah, ever since then I've gotten these nightmares about that white wolf, and it's always taking place and like good memories that I have and like those memories always changed and twisted into something like horrific and they have continued ever since that day um they used to happen every single day or every single night I guess I should say but lately they've only been happening like maybe once a month so they aren't happening as frequently as they used to so that's definitely a good thing but um yeah, that's my story. So um, thanks for doing your show. I think it's great. And I guess if anybody else has had a similar experience, I would really like to hear it. Um, thank you. Thank you, Kinsey. At first glance, it seems easy to dismiss most, if not all, of the strange happenings that occurred that day. For instance, she was laying on a bed, so perhaps she drifted off and didn't realize it, resulting in some sort of strange dream. She'd mentioned that she was feeling ill, so perhaps she was fevered and hallucinated some of the happenings. As for the dogs acting up, it's possible that they were simply playing off of her fear, sensing something was amiss but not knowing exactly what that is. Even the how could simply be someone outside the window messing around. But when you add all these experiences together, they seem to mean something more. What are the chances of a perfect storm, so to speak, forming to create all of these instances? So if these strange experiences weren't dream-based or fevered visions, what happened that day? Kinsey goes on to describe a strange dream that has resulted of her encounter. This one I feel I might have a logical explanation for. Her run-in with the unexplained may have scarred her enough to trigger PTSD symptoms, of which vivid nightmares are included. Post-traumatic stress disorder can manifest itself in many different ways, and if that event she described scared her that much, it's entirely possible that she may have, or still does, suffer from the disorder. Either way, thank you, Kinsey, and I'm happy to hear that the dreams are at least becoming less frequent. Our final call is not an encounter, but rather a possible explanation to a previous submitter's story. Back on episode 18 of season 2, Fernando called in to tell about a UFO he'd seen in Florida. Here is a snippet of that call to jog your memory. We're driving down Bower Road, a dark highway. My dad and I, and we both see something that... I see as like a black dot. It's just it's darker than the night sky. You can see this dot clearly against the kind of purpley blackness of the sky. We see it moving across the sky at kind of a diagonal angle towards the ground. And we see it for about two, three seconds before it just suddenly lights up. There's a flash. We both see it flash bright blue. And I see it as like a it's like a big crescent almost, like a crescent moon, but blue. And it was much larger than it had been when we just saw it as just a dot. Uh, we were driving 
due south down this road, so it would have been going like kind of a southwest direction, I guess. It keeps moving at pretty slow speed, honestly. It, wasn't, it didn't look like it was moving that fast. It was moving, though. And after a moment, it sort of condenses in. The, the blue crescent shrinks inward, becomes more of a, a blue dot again, and it just suddenly is gone. It zooms into nothingness. It just, we don't, it doesn't even like get into the tree line or close to the ground. It's just, it's gone before it's anywhere close. Now, the following is one listener's possible explanation for what Fernando witnessed that evening. Hi, I just listened to uh, season two, episode 18, and I uh, heard the story of Fernando, uh, I think it was Fernando, talking about going down Power Road, South Town, and seeing uh, something in the night sky that was a blue crescent. Um, my dad was a uh, search and rescue swimmer instructor in the Navy out at NAS Pensacola, which is only about, uh, I'd say probably five to ten miles from Power, uh, from Power Road. And, uh, Routinely, they would go out at night in the SH-60 helicopters and do uh, simulated night rescues with the students to make sure that they could, you know, safely operate at night on the helicopters and in the water and, you know, rescue people. Um, And I was thinking about it when I was listening to the story. If he was going southbound on Bower Road, and this sounds like it's, you know, a few years ago, back early 2000s, late 90s, uh, before power had a lot of really anything on it. Um, that would have put them looking straight into the Gulf, which is where they usually did just south uh, southwest of the of NAS Pensacola is where they normally did all of the uh, all the training exercises. So I'm I'm thinking that the lights that he saw in the sky were probably the searchlights on the side of the SH-60. Um, if you're looking at it from a profile while they're searching the water for the dummy or the person that they put in the water for the students to go rescue, it, it would look like a crescent. You'd see the halo off the lights from the other side underneath the halo giving that, that round curved shape on the bottom, and you'd have the two starbursts on the far, on the far front and back of the halo, which would be the, the lights from the near side of the helicopter searching. And uh, where he talks about it turning to a point, um, in my experience, when I was in the Navy working on the flight deck, that a lot of times happens when a helicopter will pick up in the night. When they pick up on a profile from you, you'll see all the lights. But the moment they turn to where they're traveling away from you, suddenly all that light gets redistributed back forward But right before they shut the lights off. So what looks like a giant crescent ends up turning basically into either a ball or a point of light right before they shut all the lights off to go uh, fly off away from you. So I'm imagining that's what he saw, and those lights are pretty bright. They're, you know, they're around 1,000 lumens. So I would imagine that even if that helicopter was a good 15 miles, 10, 15 miles out, if it was high enough above the water that they could see it above the, uh, above the, uh, the trees, I don't imagine they'd hear any of the, any of the rudder chop off the, uh, off the helo, letting them know that, you know, that it was a helicopter. They wouldn't be able to hear it, but they would definitely see those lights up in the sky. And right as it turned from profile view to, you know, in line view right before it would take off to move where it was going, 
uh, yeah, it would go from what looked like a crescent of lights to a uh, to probably either a ball or a point of light, and right before they shut the lights off and took off. So I hope that answers you know what it was, and I might be wrong, um, but from my experience in the Navy and from being around my dad, who specifically in that area did you know operations that would have resulted in this exact thing, I think I think I'm pretty pretty safe in in guessing that this is you know what what he saw that night and these have been going on since you know the late 80s at uh nas pensacola is where they train search and rescue swimmers so this is a pretty common thing to see the helos out above the water at night doing these kind of operations and normally they do them pretty late just so they don't bother anybody because you do them in the middle of the day when there's people you know driving around and stuff landing and uh, landing and, and taking off helicopters is pretty loud. You tend to bug a lot of people. So when they do their night operations, they generally go, you know, pretty late in the evening. I remember my dad leaving at around 7 to get to base to do these night operations. Um, so hopefully that answers what it was. Uh, if not, then, you know, maybe I'm wrong, but that's that's what I would think it would be. Have a good one. Keep up the good work. Love your show. The caller did call back to explain that he used the wrong name for the helicopter used in the exercises. The correct craft should be the CH-46, and not the FH-60 that he'd mentioned in his call. As for the explanation, the caller seems to know a good deal about the area and the exercises that take place there. Having not seen images of either Fernando's encounter nor the exercises, I am unable to make a call either way, but I will say that the explanation seems to line up and sadly seems much more plausible than a nighttime visit from a group of extraterrestrials. Thank you, caller, for offering up your explanation. And Fernando, if you're listening, I'd love to hear your take on this situation. Alright, folks, that does it for this, the first episode of Season 3. But before I go, I'd like to touch on just a couple things. Be sure to tune in next week. I have a huge announcement that any cryptid fan will not want to miss. Be sure to rate and review the show on iTunes or Stitcher. I received a few new reviews over the break, and I really appreciate those kind words. If you like what you hear and you'd like to support the show, click on the Donate button on the show's webpage. Any amount is greatly appreciated. And lastly, follow the show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I'm constantly sharing images, thoughts, and videos to pique your interest. Music from tonight's episode was provided by Mayu and Nature World 1986. Thank you all for listening, and until next week. On a summer night, Douglas Wagg Jr. lay motionless across a strip of railroad tracks before being struck by an oncoming train. I'm investigative journalist Delia D'Ambra. 
and my investigation into exactly how Doug died took me into the depths of a bizarre mystery. It was really hard to understand what was fact and what wasn't. A mystery that has led me from one suspicious death to another. Listen to CounterClock now, wherever you listen to podcasts.